Welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer podcast. Your host, as always, is Fred. Our desire is to encourage, exhort, and educate on biblical prayer through this podcast. The mission of the podcast is to help everyone God allows us to help achieve a growing, biblical, dynamic, and satisfying prayer life. If you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, you can reach us at freerangeprayer at gmail.com. If you would like, you can make a positive review wherever you get your podcast. That would be appreciated. Welcome to today's episode of Free Range Preacher on Prayer Podcast. Good morning, noon, or evening, whenever you're listening to the podcast. I am praying today for your great encouragement in prayer and your great encouragement in your Christian walk. And of course, when I say you, I'm praying first for me. The battle is hot. It's actually hot for all of us, and our flesh is weak. So my prayer, as it is each time we have an episode, is for us, for all of us, and truly to me first. So we're praying today for our prayers our work, and that we would be able to focus on our target and our goal, Jesus, who is the Christ, our Savior. Our focus needs to be on Him. And what we're going to see today is His person empowered in His earthly life, His life in the flesh, by the Holy Ghost. And we are encouraged when we see that. We are also encouraged by the truth that the Holy Spirit is our power as well. He indwells us, and He's our power Welcome, then, to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer podcast. My name is Fred, and I am the host of the podcast, and it is my joy and privilege to be the host. I know I say it all the time, but it, it really is true. And it's my aim to finish my days teaching on prayer in every circumstance and in every way I'm able. And I do pray as well that the Lord will bless all our work, all our endeavors done in His name for His glory for the spread of the gospel and the growth of his people. Thank you for listening. Today, our encouragement is from the book of Isaiah. And as I was reading a few days ago, I was reminded of Isaiah 11, especially verse 2. And we read this, and it's a, a messianic passage. And it says, And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and strength, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And again, this whole passage is messianic, speaking of when Jesus was going to come in the flesh. And it's actually a comfort to us, to everyone who believes, and it's a warning to his enemies. Today, we're going to focus on our encouragement. And when we read that verse, we are strengthened in our Christian life because we see how Jesus walked in the Spirit, with wisdom and understanding, counsel and strength, knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And we're also strengthened and encouraged to join, again, the unseen battle, the spiritual battle. And we understand, especially from passages like this, verses like this, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And we also know from the book of Philippians that Jesus voluntarily relied on the will of the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit. It says there in Philippians that he emptied himself and he prayed before he did miracles He asked the Father for the power to do miracles, and the Holy Spirit empowered him to do everything that he did. 
And we see Jesus walking and speaking and patiently waiting in wisdom and understanding in everything that he did. And when he spoke, when he spoke out the word of God, and this happened over and over in the Gospels, his listeners would be astonished. And they would say something like they said in Luke 4, 22. And all were speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And they were saying, Is this not Joseph's son? And I love that. He spoke with such authority and such ease that it seemed like the gracious words were falling from his lips. And as we listen to Jesus and even listen to him and his word, through his word, and his word, of course, was commissioned by the Holy Spirit, his word still moves us. And you knew we weren't going to be able to get through an episode without looking at a psalm. So we're looking at Psalm 57, 7. And there David says, My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises. Awake my glory. Awake harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will give thanks to thee, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to thee among the nations. As we look at Jesus, our example, our hearts soar and they become steadfast. We're encouraged by him and him walking in the Spirit. And it leads us like it led Paul in Philippians, again, Philippians 3, 314, where he says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward, go- upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So we're strengthened to keep going because we see that he kept going. He kept pressing toward the goal. He set himself resolutely to the cross. And we also see, as we see him walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, we see him walking in his wisdom, that he had the right perspective on his job, what he was doing. We are encouraged in 2 Corinthians 10, starting in verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. I messed the word order there up a little bit. Sorry about that. All our quotes, as you know, are from the New American Standard Bible, the 1977 version. And it's a glory to listen to Jesus and to have people come up and test him as they did all the way through his ministry, and the way he answered. And there were times that there was judgment in his answer, but it's all it was all with a backdrop of knowing that he was not warring against the flesh and blood. He was teaching and instructing and warning for the salvation of souls. And he was destroying their speculations. I just love it when the Sadducees came up to him and gave him that long-involved question about a widow and seven brothers, because they didn't believe in the resurrection. So seven brothers died in succession, and each one of them, as was said in the law, each one of them married the widow. And then they asked, whose wife will she be then in heaven? Nobody sinned in this situation. They lived and acted according to the law. But she had seven husbands. So their smart alecky question was, which one of them would she be married to in heaven? And I just love Jesus' answer, just the very first part of it, where he says, You neither understand the word nor its power. God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he's not a God of the dead, but he's a God of the living. 
And so he took away their speculations. That is a ludicrous story that they gave. And it was all speculation. And he wiped it out by just saying, you don't know what you're talking about. But again, he wasn't warring according to the flesh. We also see him, led by the Spirit, counseling in and giving strength. And we want to turn to John 15 for this. And this is 12 uh, through 17 of John 15. And he says, This is my commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all the things that I have heard from the Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. This I command you, that you love one another. What a great passage. There in the depths of the despair, he's telling them he's going to the cross. And here we see him counseling and strengthening. He commands love, but he also exemplifies love. He draws us close as friends, and he tells us his plans beforehand. And we know what our job is, and that is to help the spread of the gospel even to the ends of the earth. Not from that passage, obviously, but later. He does tell us his plans. And we're friends of the Father as well. Because we know the Son, and we love the Son, and we know the Father, and we love the Father. And then he assures them that they are going to bear fruit, eternal fruit. So their lives and ours are not wasted. We will bear fruit for the gospel, for the glory of God. And then he promises to answer our prayers. He is going to leave, but they are not left alone. They as well will have the Holy Spirit. And then lastly, he encourages them again. He commands them again to love one another. That's the beginning and the end for us. And we need to make sure whatever we do, we do it with a motivation of love. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort, Paul says to Timothy, with great patience and instruction. And even if we are reproving and rebuking, the motivation is still love. And then back to Isaiah 2, the verse also says that he walked in the knowledge of the Lord and the fear of the Lord. So he walked in the knowledge of the Father and reverence for the Father. And again, we see him at his baptism. And John the Baptist says, I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should be baptizing me. And in verse 15 of Matthew 3, it says, But Jesus, answering him, said to him, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he, John the Baptist, permitted him, Jesus, to get baptized. All righteousness is born from the knowledge of God and his call to his righteousness. We know righteousness because we know God, and we know his call because we know God, and that is to righteousness. And many people, even myself at times, mistake righteousness and sin. We, we, we mash those two together, and they're not the same. Sin, we know what sin is, and we know we're not supposed to sin, but we're also supposed to do righteousness. And I've often used this analogy, maybe even used it in the podcast at some point in time. If I was put in a coma by the doctors, I would be laying on that bed, not sinning, as far as we know. don't know what my mind is thinking at that point. But as far as we know, I would be there not actively sinning, but I also would not be doing righteousness. And righteousness is like the Good Samaritan who pulled his Cadillac over on the side of the road 
and took care of the man who had been beaten. He really didn't have a Cadillac. It was a Lincoln. But you know what I mean. In the story, he stopped and had compassion. That's righteousness. The priest walking by was not doing righteous. So he had the knowledge of God in all righteousness, fulfilling all righteousness. He also had the reverence, the fear of the Lord. And Jesus gets right to the point with a woman at the well in John 4.24, when he says, and this turns her around, he says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So not only did he have the knowledge of God and walked in that knowledge and did righteousness, but he also led his followers to worship, to adoration, to the fear of the Lord, because he deserves that. One of my favorite names in the Old Testament is Yahweh Nissa. And in this regard, Jesus is that for us. In 11.2, Isaiah 11.2, as we watch Jesus, we keep our eyes on Jesus. He's like that big banner in battle over the king's head. The name Yahweh Nissa occurs when the Israelites are battling against the Amalekites. And Moses is above the, the fray. He's up, up on top of a little hill. And as long as he's holding his arms up, the battle goes their way. When he gets tired and puts his arms down, you remember the story, the battle goes badly for the Israelites. So finally two men come and they raise up Abraham's hands for him and they hold them there until the battle is over. After the battle is over, God said he's going to conquer that whole nation. Joshua is in place of Moses. And so Moses sets up an, an altar and he names it Yahweh Nissa. God is my banner. And you probably know this as well, but in ancient battles, the kings entered into the fray. They were right there with their troops. And the king always had a banner, a big flag-looking thing. That was his banner, and it has his, his mark on it, his seal on it. And as long as the warriors could see that flag flying high, they knew their king was alive, they knew their king was in the fight, and they kept fighting. They took heart and fought on. If that banner turned and ran the other way, they knew they were in trouble, and they retreated as well. And if that banner fell and could no longer be seen, they knew they were in real trouble because their king had been conquered. And very often the armies broke. For, so for our strength, we look to Jesus. We look to the Christ, and we know that the Spirit of the Lord was resting on him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and strength, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and we are able to increase our trust in him because we see that. Jesus is Yahweh Nissa. He's the banner over our head. And we know the victory is sure, but we have to look at that flag to take heart. Jesus, my friends, is our God and our King, the creator of the universe. He's on our side, and he promises that the battle is the Lord's. We fight it. Glory to God, we have something to do in it. But it's the Lord's battle. And he tells us in Galatians 6, 9, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary. And Hebrews 12, 3 assures us that he didn't grow weary. For consider him who has endured such hostilities by sinners against himself, so that you may not grow weary and not lose heart. That's the temptation. But as long as we can look to Jesus, the verses say before, the author, author and perfecter of our faith, we can have that courage and we can keep moving on. He's our banner. However God has called us, you and me, he's called each one of us to the battle and he promises us fruit and victory by his power. And we know by the life of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we're not headed for defeat, but we are headed for victory. Thank you, Jesus.
Now I can hear you out there. You're saying, Fred, we're expecting a little more than this. What about what I said earlier, being excited to re-enter into the battle? Well, this is Wednesdays. This is our day of encouragement, which is a little shorter than typical, supposed to be. But this one in particular is a little longer than I had anticipated. So next Wednesday, we will see the great encouragement of the knowledge that we ourselves not only look to our banner, but we also have his power, the power of the Holy Spirit, in our weapons of warfare. And we do thank you, Jesus, for being our example, our promise, and the future that we long for. You are all those things to us. We bless you and we thank you for that. I do, again, pray and hope that your heart was strengthened and encouraged. Mine actually was. Again, when I sit down to read God's Word or study God's Word or teach God's Word, unfailingly, it's something my heart needs right at the moment, and I'm strengthened. And today was one of those days. And I pray that if you needed that strength and that encouragement, that will be yours as well. Next Wednesday again, we are going to take another look at this passage and what it means in our daily walks. Until then, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and give you the peace of Christ all the days of your life. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Free Range Preacher. We hope you enjoyed it and will join us for our next broadcast coming up soon. For Fred and myself, this is Richard Durrington saying, Make it a godly, fun-filled day.